My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. My par-saving pals, this episode of Fairway Rollin' brought to you, as always, from our incomparable partners at Callaway Golf Makers of the best driver of 2019. That's not Callaway saying it. That is our beloved homies at GolfWorks. Golf WRX issued just last week their test results for the best drivers of 2019. They had a panel of 13 top-ranked club fitters across the country. Best driver for swing speeds, 94 miles an hour and below. Best driver for swing speeds, 95 miles an hour to 105 miles. Best driver for swing speeds, 106 and above. The epic flash was at the top of each of those categories. It was the highest-rated driver using the flash trace technology and jailbreak. It is forgiving. It is using the artificial intelligence in club design. It's here to stay. What a time to go get yourself one of these beauties. The Epic Flash Driver by Callaway this fall season. As the foliage arrives, why not put a new driver in your bag to prepare yourself for the 2020 golf season? This episode of Fairway Rolling also brought to you by our friends at Destination Kohler in Kohler, Wisconsin, home of Whistling Straits. Black Wolf Run, and the 2020 Ryder Cup. Next year's worldwide rivalry could be decided on one of the most challenging finishing holes in championship golf. That's number 18 at Whistling Strakes. The name is Diabolical. That's spelled D-Y-E-abolical. Gather your birdie buddies for the ultimate tournament-style summer golf experience. Get rolling to DestinationKohler.com to book your package today. That's DestinationKohler.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast unlike any other. We've done it. We've made it a whole season.
cruising under our belts, my birdie buddies. You are listening to the Golf Podcast. Fairway rolling on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. This fantastic golf podcast brought to us by our fantastic friends at Callaway Golf. My par-saving pals, my eagle enthusiasts, the season has ended. We have a whole two-week breather before the 2020 season gets started with a whole bunch of events this fall. Uh, Even though they take place in 2019, they belong to the 2020 season. The only way to properly wrap up this season was to run through all of the storylines, all the highlights, the lowlights. We have our beloved pals, Schusty and Chris Vernon. We go go through a whole bunch of superlatives, but we also needed a voice of authority and a voice of reason to rein me in. Alex Myers from GolfDigest.com came on. Now, we we went so long with our wrap-up here, we decided to break this into two, pe- two pieces, two parts. Alex Myers and I are here to break down for you all the best storylines of 2019, a little forecasting of 2020. That's part one. And then part two Season superlatives with Schusty and Chris Vernon. There's lots of Tiger Woods. There's lots of Phil Mickelson. There's lots of Brooks Kepka and Rory McElroy. Let's go over to the first tee. We're going to get down and dirty with Alex Myers. There's slow play. There's technology. We got all the storylines covered. Let's just go ahead and and uh, try and stripe one down the middle with our pal Alex Myers. And then stay tuned for... Part two, a little later this week, Schusty and Verno to give out some awards. All right, my birdie buddies, we are recapping the 2019 golf season. We need to have a competent and qualified person to help us through. There were lots and lots and lots of stories and storylines on the line with us. He is a senior writer at Golf Digest and author of the must read weekly column the grind alex myers what's happening buddy hey what's up thanks for having me on always so we we were convened last for the open championship we went through a few storylines and and since that time a few more things have happened uh in 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 the golf world we were really delivered uh what feels like just an embarrassment of riches by having none other than the two very best players of the season squared off in the last event of the season, head-to-head, 18 holes, $15 million on the line. The PGA Tour did something right to be rewarded with this outcome. What, What do you think, Alex? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you had Brooks versus Rory on the final day. Uh, as you mentioned, that huge, ridiculous amount of money on the line, $15 million. And, you know, it's not like second place got $10 million. Second place got $5 million. Of course, nothing to sneeze at. But but the fact that you could drop $10 million and, and Brooks ended up finishing uh, tied for third. So I think he pocketed only $3.5 million. So you're talking about playing straight up for a difference of 10 to $12 million. It's pretty crazy. But, but yeah, those two guys, I think, certainly separated themselves a bit from everybody else this year. Uh, Rory, of course, in every event that wasn't a major and Brooks in all the majors. Um, and, uh, it's exciting to see because, you know, Rory just turned 30 Brooks is still 29. 
Uh, they both have four majors. Uh, they've, they've both won their four majors in spurts. Rory a little earlier in his career, and now he's, he's in a five-year, quote, drought. And now Brooks has won the four in the last, you know, three seasons. So uh, a lot of potential for, for more of them to meet up head-to-head. Uh, again, they, they already had met up in Memphis where, where Brooks got the better of Rory that day, but Rory got the better of him uh, when it mattered more at least financially. So uh, he came out on top, and uh, it was it was a great finish to the season. Yeah, it was terrific that we got this juxtaposition of of the two guys that really did control um, the the playing narrative. You know, Rory had the most top tens of the season. He came out on fire at the beginning of the season, and and you know had a whole string of of inside top ten finishes, and then broke through in March right. at the Players, and then didn't really distinguish himself at all in any of the majors. And Brooks came to the fore, and Brooks did what Brooks does, apparently, over these last two years. When it's major time, it's Brooks time. And he ended up beating Rory by 21 strokes, if you just measure the scoring over the the majors. you know, And, and you know, Rory didn't even make the cut uh, at his own uh, championship in Northern Ireland. Right. So, I mean, that's been beaten to death. But um, it, w- it was very nice to have the as, as bookends the two guys that really deserved based on, on the play um, together for a final round. And, and, and as you mentioned, you know, uh, Brooks had faced Rory down before and, and didn't seem right. um, all that bothered by him, but Hey, we got to give it up to Rory. That performance that he put that 66, he shot on Sunday at Eastlake was one that, that ought to go in, in his sort of legacy book as, as really something that distinguishes him. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you look at it, it's kind of crazy. Tiger won two of the first three FedEx Cups in in 2007-2009. You had to wait 10 more years for someone else to win a second FedEx Cup. And so that's Rory. Uh, He won in 2016. Now he wins again this year. So, you know, say what you will about how they do it or whatever. It's it's difficult to win the FedEx Cup uh, because you have to be playing well at the exact right time. So for him to do that, yeah, definitely a, a big accomplishment for him to do it head to head with Brooks, huge accomplishment. And and it's, yeah, it's not like, you know, they both had poor rounds. I mean, Rory went out there and, and took it. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the four majors of course were, uh, were where Brooks really established himself as the clear number one, um, you know, four top finishes inside the top four, two runner ups, uh, the win, obviously, at the PGA, the, the almost win at, at Pebble Beach, where it looked like, I mean, everybody thought he was going to beat Gary Woodland that day, especially when he birdied five of the first six holes. So, you know, it, it's weird. It's, it's You can evaluate golf different, a lot of different ways. The four biggest events, Brooks was clearly the best player, and he beat Rory all four times. But if you value consistency more, Rory definitely had more good weeks throughout the entire season. You mentioned the top 10s. I mean, a staggering stat, 14 top 10s in 19 starts. I mean, mm-hmm. that is ridiculous. That's Tiger-esque. To compare, Brooks only had nine top 10s in 21 starts. So, you know, Rory definitely played week in, week out better. But as Brooks alluded to at one tournament, uh, he basically doesn't practice those other weeks. So he doesn't care about those weeks. So, you know, if you want to penalize him for that, that, that's something, but, but again, you could look at both their seasons. They both had t- tremendous seasons. Uh, but I think Brooks Kepka still gets the player of the year just because of, of the majors uh, counting so much more. 
Yeah, we're in agreement there, and I don't really want to waste our good listeners' time. It's not a real debate because I don't think that there's any no. controversy around the idea that the player of the year is the person that performed the best across the majors, and Brooks was unparalleled. Yeah, um, we we have kind of t- touched on something that I want to sort of characterize as infrastructure, though, which is um, two two different kind of of new phenomena this season and i'm interested in in your thoughts on on each sort of aspect so we had both a compressed schedule where um mm-hmm. the order of play of the the majors changed and there's been now uh that the season's kind of ended a little bit of trickling out of some criticism around it and the <laughs> other sort of aspect of that was trying to um create this FedEx Cup playoff dynamic um where the FedEx yeah. Cup would be completed but prior to the Labor Day. So let's start. I want your thoughts on both like the compressed schedule. Was it a success or not from your perspective? And then what about what can we do with this FedEx Cup? Because I, I really feel like uh I'll just give you a little preview of my thinking. I, I liked sure. it, but it but I'm not sure I cared about it. So that let, let's let's start with the majors mm. first and then we'll do and then we'll do the FedEx Cup. Okay, well, the, well, the majors. First of all, I, I actually do like the move the PGA to May. I, I think it made the season flow a little better um, with with the PGA kind of being in the mix and not being lost in the shuffle out out in August. Um, the FedEx Cup ending when it did, I think, was was pretty good. Although it did kind of, it does seem like the season ended up, uh, you know, ended pretty early. But I think it made sense logistically. What I will say about all the changes is, and everybody's going crazy about this big gap between, you know, the last major and the, and the masters, that's how it's always been. So I don't really see that it's that big of a change. I mean, so, so what the, the open championship ended, uh, July 20th, the, the PGA in old days would have ended in, you know, August 10th, August 12th, somewhere around then we're talking about two or three week difference here. So I really don't think that's as big of a deal as everyone's saying. I know Jack Nicholas said, um, you know, you kind of get screwed basically if you're not playing well right then because you only have a four month period to win a major. Okay, fine. But again, it used to be a five month period. So again, I don't think it's that big a deal. I think it is weird that golf in general has its four biggest events grouped so closely. You look at tennis, they play their four events throughout the entire year. I think that is better, but obviously because of um, weather and everything else, you, you, you know, the golf schedule gets a little more compact. So anyway, that's my thought. FedEx Cup, I know everybody went nuts about the leaderboard, how it looked weird. You know, Justin Thomas was 10 under before he hit a shot. Honestly, by the end of that first day, it looked like a normal 36-hole leaderboard, um, maybe even an 18-hole leaderboard at, at a place where guys go really low. And you had two, you had three guys tied at 10 under. And from then on, it was easy to follow. So I think they did a nice job. Like you said, they ended up with two guys playing head to head that final day. It was very easy to follow. It was pretty exciting. You're saying you don't really care that much. I'm not going to argue with you. Um, I, I cared. I think I cared. I'm also obviously a huge golf fan as you are. Um, but I, I, I still think I cared about it. Um, did the general golf fan, um, I think they did. I think they did more than years past. I think they could follow more easily. And I think, as much as that tournament is being defined by money, um, that's what it's defined by now. And $15 million, I know these guys make a lot of money, but it was still pretty interesting seeing them play for that much money um, under pressure. I, I, I think it makes for good TV. 
I totally agree with that point. And um, at the end of the day, to me, the thing that I like most about professional golf um, is is the entertainment value. I'm always co- conscious mm-hmm. of of like that component of it, um, which uh, lots of times runs into tension with some of the tradition of of golf, and you know, it has us in this um, weird place where there's. Uh, criticism potentially around the the venues you know can we still compete on these golf courses um where guys like you know medina uh what happened at medina will be sort of you know uh, exhibit a of of uh folks you know who, who don't like um the advances in technology with the golf ball and the driver and you know the 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 way that the skill of these guys these days um is, is a lot more kind of compressed, I guess. And the, and there is not any golf course in, in the world. It doesn't seem unless you deliberately kind of trick it out and try and grow rough up to four inches and have the rough come in on, right. on 15 yard wide fairways that these guys can't go shoot 25 under. I mean, um, Tom Lewis just went to Victoria national, yeah. which is supposed to be one of the <laughs> hardest golf courses in America. What did he finish at? 22 under 23 under Yeah, 22, 23 under. Yeah. 41. Yeah. Crazy. Incredible. On the final day. Yeah. 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 Under the most pressure circumstances. I mean, uh, you know, circumstances that, that folks like, and, you know, we're talking about the guy who, who uh, won the final event on the corn ferry tour and cemented his uh, opportunity to compete on the PGA tour this coming season right. and, and bringing that venue to, to its knees. Um, but the, that entertainment kind of factor as the informing thesis of the FedEx cup. So, so two things um, in the first place, and, and one's very fixable. I feel like they can gently tweak um, the, the point system so that you don't have this weird thing of guys who just are play well uh, in those weeks having such a pronounced advantage i i it it right. felt kind of artificial that jt had such a big advantage over rory going right. entering the thursday but that's right. fixable um uh and then i will tell you i missed the last event occurring this weekend i i don't know why it had to to fix. I understand not wanting to conflict with college football and trying to avoid college football right. Saturday, the first one. But if the tournament started Friday and ended Labor Day Monday, both Sunday and Monday, there's only one college football game um, or, or two yeah, at most. True. Right. So there was nothing conflicting. I really missed it. Like I enjoyed watching the U.S. Open tennis. But we're still in the round of 16. We're not in the finals yet. You know what I mean? It's not like the the, the tour right. um, is beholden, you know, it's going to lose eyes to to uh, mid-round level tennis. So I, I think that there is like, some tweaking schedule-wise also. I liked the tradition of, of having some professional golf on Labor Day. It used to be the Deutsche Bank, right? The, you could watch that tournament up in yep. Boston, yep. and it ended on, on Labor Day Monday. I like watching professional right. golf on, on Labor Day Monday. It is the end of the summer and onset of, of school and back to work and all the rest of it. You know, nice to have uh, the golf there um, and having it, the, the, the FedEx Cup, you know, the finals of the, of the cup, the last day of the cup competed on Labor Day Monday has a certain appeal purely from an entertainment perspective. You, you agree with that? I, I do, actually. And you're right. I, I, maybe they did go a little 
too far in, in moving up and, and trying to avoid college football because, yeah, you're right, especially if you go with a Monday finish, um, you do avoid that. And, and the NFL, I don't know what it is. I mean, I know the NFL and college are kind of in cahoots here, too. It seems like the NFL is starting even later than normal. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But but their main, obviously, the PGA Tour's main concern is finishing on a Sunday versus NFL. Um, there's no NFL yet, not even this past weekend. So, um, yeah, I, I think they could. There's never NFL um, prior to Labor Day. NFL always comes after Labor right. Day. Right, okay. But but the but the FedEx Cup would go. Uh, you're right. The Deutsche Bank would finish on Labor Day, but then there'd still be two more tournaments after that. So they yeah, that was the old way. Late September, right, right. But you're right. We could find a compromise here and end on Labor Day. Um, yeah, because it did feel like it wrapped up pretty quickly. Well, it also felt like it wrapped up suddenly because they cut it from four events to three events. Now I, I'm not opposed to that. I do kind of wonder why the first event now is going to be split between Boston and New York, because it seems like Boston and New York could each handle their own uh, tournament every year, especially when they rotate courses in in the New York area. So that's going to be interesting next year that there won't be a tournament in New York. It'll just go straight to Boston for the, for the Northern trust. Uh, But overall, I think the three weeks in a row is definitely a lot better. I'm sure you agree on that too. Three weeks in a row is better than stopping having a week in between, um, and, you know, where guys, you know, if, if you're supposed to be a playoff, there's supposed to be some sort of momentum here to kind of take a break in between was, was ridiculous. And, and with the four events, you saw a lot more guys skipping, you know, maybe that first event or that second event. This year, you didn't see that as much. Guys were, you know, in there to play those three events. They realized that they had to, to bang those three out. Yeah, to get inside the top 30 to, to have a shot at it. And right. it did give us, um, you know, we got Tiger. Uh, which is, you know, again, one, one of the, the goals, I think, uh, of the tour. And again, as, as golf fans, one of our goals as well. Please, let's have as much Tiger as possible. It was a shame that he right. wasn't physically able to co- come defend his tour championship and get himself inside that top 30. But that's, you know, the trade-off was he won the Masters <laughs> and, you know, e- everything that went along with that. So Right, but that was also ridiculous that the guy who wins the Masters uh, only get 600 FedEx Cup points, which is 100 more points than if you win like the John Deere Classic. And so at the end of the year, Tiger, you know, doesn't make the final 30. I mean, that that's crazy. I could almost see them tweaking that rule going forward that if you win a major, I know Shane Lowry won the Open Championship. He didn't make it all the way to the Tour Championship either. That seems a little silly with the system. Um, and, and back to your point about Justin Thomas, I mean, yeah, Justin Thomas had a disappointing season in part because of a wrist injury, but then all of a sudden he has one great week and then he's got the stranglehold on this, this tournament and this whole season long, um, championship did seem a little bizarre. I know you want to reward the guys at the end of the season, but, and they've struggled with that. How many points do they give to the playoff events versus the regular season events? But, but you're right. It did seem a little skewed towards that. I mean, same thing with Patrick Reed. He has a bad season. He wins the first event. He jumped all the way to number two. And then Justin Thomas wins the second event. He jumps to number one. And meanwhile, you know, the guys like Rory and Brooks are kind of just treading water and getting passed by, by these guys who have one good week. So it, it's weird. I know, I know people say, well, in the playoffs and other sports, um, you know, you could have the best record all year and get knocked down the first round. That's a good point. Uh, but I think what's so, what's different here is that they're playing for so much more money than in any other tournament. It almost doesn't seem fair 
to the guys who have had the better season. So I, I was actually glad that Rory or Brooks, had, you know, was in that final group because they were, you know, of course they were the two guys that, that deserved uh, to have a crack at that big prize. That's right. And, and, you know, to your point, I, I personally, I don't care what they do with the points. The whole thing is an artifice for the for purposes of trying to reward guys for consistent play over the year and then creating a little bit of a dynamic where there's some drama at the end. So the allocation of points doesn't matter to me uh, that much. I, I You just have to have the four winners of the four majors in the top 30. You can't have yes. a season-ending thing that leaves out the guys right. that won the majors. I, I mean, I don't, even right. if it's a guy that uh, a, a crazy long shot that just had a miracle right. four weeks, even if it was a Ben Curtis or Todd Hamilton right. kind of guy, those <laughs> guys matter. Like the, it's still, again, on, on this entertainment value proposition, those are the guys we want to see. We want to be reminded of what they did. That, those are cool stories. Those guys that go out and win. Shane Lowry was a great story. I want to see more Shane Lowry. So, you know, put him in the top 30 so we could get, get, you know, one last taste and you can kind of milk his story one last time. But you can't yeah. ha- not you can't not have Tiger in in the season ending event. He he won the effing Masters. So some tweaks. Yeah, that are, exactly. that are, it was crazy. Yeah. So, 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 so there are some tweaks crazy. out there uh, to, yeah. to be had. But for all uh, to, to me, it was mostly a success in terms of producing because you, you talked about that Thursday, that Thursday round where the guy, where, where JT started off with a sizable advantage. And then the, the guys played hard on Thursday. It had a real electricity. Mm-hmm. It felt like a big time event that Thursday. NBC put all of its top stuff. Mike Tarico is there talking about, you know, Thursday golf. I, I loved that. Um, I just wish yeah. it was like, you know, th- this, this uh, Labor Day weekend, it could have been Friday and I could have right. been enjoying it, you know, because I wouldn't have been worried about work or anything like that. I would have just been enjoying it. Um, and anyhow, so, so we're, 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 uh, we're in alignment. I, I like very much the new schedule. I think the new schedule is very, very fan friendly. It has the effect of creating, um, momentum for golf that starts in March with the players as an appetizer. And then the masters always is the thing that is the, the real signal to the golf fan and the casual sports fan that golf season has arrived and then having big time events each month all the way up until August. And, you know, the thing about August with um, is being sort of set aside uh, and not having to deal with uh, schedule, um, you know, challenges, it, it permits the Olympics, it permits FedEx Cup, it permits FedEx Cup, you know, maybe moving it, shifting it weeks uh, here or there, because the, it, it permits maybe, you know, buying a, a, a decent weekend for the Ryder Cup, um, I just think it creates right. a lot more flexibility having everything sort of done uh, in terms of the majors c- come August. Right, and they also, they're making a tweak. Yeah, I do. And, and they're also making a small tweak for next year. Um, after The week after the Open this year was that the final WGC in Memphis. Yeah. And it was kind of ridiculous to expect these guys right after the Open to fly back across you know, the, the pond and play in one of the, quote, next you know biggest four events of the year so they've switched that next year it's going to be a couple weeks before the open uh which makes a lot more sense so that that will be better as well but um you know the only complaint i have about the schedule in general uh and it's been this way since they went to the wraparound season um and you know i don't blame the tour they're they're making money they have 
if they have sponsors who want to sponsor these events year round, that's, that's what they want to do. But, you know, we just never really get a big breather. Like right now, it seems like the tour is on the longest hiatus ever. And it's, it's two weeks and that is long for the tour to be on a break, but you don't get that sense in these other sports where you, you just are really that longing to like, man, I can't wait for these guys to be back out there and playing. And like, you know, like you said, the masters still get that. Um, and even, you know, you don't get a lot of the big names playing in the fall anyway. So you do kind of have to wait till January to see those guys for the most part. But, you know, it's just, man, that many tournaments all year round. Um, I mean, there's 11 PGA tour events now in the fall, 11, oh my there's going to be 11 tournaments now until, uh, before the tournament of champions, um, in January, there's going to be 11 tournaments. I, I just counted it. I mean, it's, that's crazy. There's a new tournament in Japan. There's a new tournament in Bermuda. Um, you got these other tournaments moving, like the Greenbrier, which will be the first one next week. Uh, it moved from the summer. Just think about that. I mean, that that's wild. So not only um, you know are these guys, it's it's just not as exciting. I don't think uh, when you, you, they, they all start to blend together. And uh, unfortunately, I just think there's too many. But again, they're not going to turn away money. They're not going to turn away sponsors. Um, that's not going to change, but that'd be my only complaint about it. And, and for the casual fan, they're not really watching those tournaments anyway, I guess. And they're, they're just going to be excited, uh, when, yeah. when the real year starts again. I guess that's kind of where I come at it. I don't mind, um, these, these events, if, if they are going to use the opportunity to go to some venues that they haven't been before, um, and they can mm-hmm. maintain relationships with some communities that have historical um, ties. You know, Greenbrier is, is good. I'm glad that they're in Napa uh, with the Safeway. I'm glad they get down to um, Sea Island. You know, I, th- those are all like right. cool venues. And, you know, for for true degenerates, I just love the gambling <laughs> opportunities. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> it, well, it's it, it's two two twofold. I get to learn about some new guys. So the the guys who just mm-hmm. um c- clinched their cards at the at the Corn right. Ferry. Those are a bunch of names that um I get just got introduced to by watching the Corn Ferry finals, but those are some guys that could be informed, that could be hot where you get some value That's on right. some odds and maybe you just dabble a little bit. But it also does set up for those of us that are sort of deep passionate golf fans. That's you and I. We know we'll we'll we will learn about some guys when the when the season starts properly next year. We'll mm-hmm. know about some guys to keep an eye on and and guys that will catch our fancy. I mean the the buzz around Cam Champ um, that was created last yeah. fall because of what he did uh, down down at Sea Island and the the run that he was on. You know he was it was really like introduction um, to golf consciousness. He wasn't able to sustain it, but I'm glad to have met Cam right. Champ. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, you're right. That yeah, that you, that can happen. And and it's a great point about those guys being on form right now because and not only on form, but more but motivated to play because, you know, as much as these other guys who aren't the stars, they're motivated, but these guys who just turned their card for the first time, they they don't care. They they're like they would play this week. I mean, they would they would run to the next course to play now that they're on the PGA Tour. So, they're going to be fired up and uh, certainly given, given, uh, an A effort. Yeah. We love, we love the hungry guys. That, that resonates very much. <laughs> All right. My par saving pals, quick break from this chat with our brother, Alex Myers. 
for a word from Destination Kohler. Birdie Buddies, this episode of Fairway Rolling brought to you by our friends at Destination Kohler in Kohler, Wisconsin. Home of Whistling Straits, Black Wolf Run, and the 2020 Ryder Cup. Almost a year from now, the Ryder Cup could be decided on one of the toughest finishing holes in championship golf. It's number 18 at Whistling Straits. It's called Diabolical, D-Y-E-B-O-L-I-C-A-L. And for good reason, designed by Hall of Famer Pete Dye, this unrelenting, unparalleled par four requires a well-struck tee shot and a spot on the second to find the sweet spot of the green with a backdrop of the majestic Irish-style clubhouse, the green sits within an amphitheater that's surrounded by swirling winds and guarded by Seven Mile Creek. Bubba Watson found that creek a handful of years. The best in the world are coming to take on Diabolical at Destination Caller. You should, too, gather a group of 12 or more birdie buddies. And the PGA professionals at Destination Caller can help arrange a tournament style experience for you and your pals complete with Ryder Cup inspired add-ons rounds for this summer and fall are still available and 2020 rounds are open as well it's time to get rolling to destinationcolor.com to book your golf package today that's destinationcolor.com today's episode of fairway rolling also brought to us by our friends at zip recruiter Hiring used to be hard, multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process, but today hiring can be easy. All you got to do is get yourself to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Roland, R-O-L-L-I-N. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. They have powerful matching technology, so they're scanning thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and and then inviting them to apply to your empty job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you don't miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers, 80% who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. That's results, my birdie buddies. Right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Roland. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-O-L-L-I-N. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We have to do a quick bit on on a couple of get off my lawn topics. Uh, we can't really wrap up the season without you know uh, touching on a couple of the controversies that bubbled up and stayed around, or the things that that you know are sort of constant, persistent uh, you know issues for the professional uh, tour. Just really, I think that the main the, the men's tour these are issues, and and I'm talking about slow play and the the how far. The ball travels. How far? You know the the uh, co- combination of uh, skill and, and technology for the guys. So sure. let's do the slow slow play thing first. It really had a giant moment um, here in August uh, with Bryson DeChambeau. Two different uh, video uh, captures: him walking off seventy yards, and then how long it took him to putt during. It was the Northern Trust, right? Wasn't that the tournament? 
um, where we had this. And it brought to the fore this criticism that it really had been, had started all the way back. Uh, I feel like in in January, and it's kind of been a persistent theme. Yeah, it was well. February was uh, uh, J B Holmes down at Riviera, um, and J B Holmes as a as a you know repeat of, offender here. And there <laughs> is this this uh, the 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 golf commentariat loves to jump on this. Uh, and and um, oh, yeah. complain about it. I I still have mixed feelings about it. I'm not sure how much I care. But let me let you sort of set it up um, and and with your thoughts, and then I'll I'll give you my vibe. I mean, this controversy of slow play is gold if you work for a website like I do. I mean, that's just people <laughs> eat this stuff up. So yeah. I'll be honest right here. I I almost hope they don't solve it. That being said. I think it trickles down to when we go out and play ourselves and, and, you know, it gets frustrating when you're waiting and waiting. And a lot of it is people see these guys on tour and they say, man, well, they take a lot of time. So I need to take a lot of time. And, and again, it's just trickle down effect. So I do think that I I wish that they would be able to, um, you know, maybe crack down a little more to get the guys picking up at least a little. I know some guys say, well, it's only going to shave 10 to 15 minutes up the round. And I say, well, how do you know that? I mean, back in the, in the day, they, they played in under three hours, a lot of these, these guys. So, um, I don't, I don't get that attitude. I, I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, I think, you know, it was just a perfect storm, obviously with Bryson DeChambeau, who is a guy who <laughs> is a lightning rod himself. And then slow play is a lightning rod in itself and combined, it just exploded. It was crazy. You could capture videos of every player on the PGA tour, uh, maybe not the two minute putt. That was a little extreme, but you could capture uh, a video of any player on the tour pacing off a 70 yard shot from an unusual spot. I mean, that just happens all the time. And uh, for whatever reason, it's Bryson. People jumped on it. I almost feel bad for him because he kind of, took the brunt of this when there's, he's not even the slowest guy by any means. Uh, but I, I do think for the product, um, uh, quick story here, the second hole at the masters this year on, on Sunday, I'm out there following tiger. Of course, he's playing with Francesco tiger struggled on the second hole. If you, I don't know if you remember, he hooked one left. He had to punch out he had a oh, yeah. 200 yard third shot. He put it, put it on the front of the green, right? So yeah. he had about a 60 foot putt to that back, right pin. He took, I mean, at least three or four minutes, he paced the shit out of that. He went back and forth and I'm watching with, with a coworker. And I said, I mean, I love tiger. You know that I said, I, this is unbelievable how long he's taking. Like and it was brutal to watch. And this is tiger woods in the final round of the major. And it was kind of brutal to watch this. Now he ended up two putting and then Francesco Molinari had like a six footer for birdie. He waited for tiger to do all this. And then he did his whole pre-putt routine and he missed. And I was uh, just thinking, wow, these guys are brutally slow. So that, that, that's just one example. I, I do think as a whole, they could, they could pick up the pace. Um, what's the next thing? Oh, ball. Well, uh, yeah. Man. Well, let, let's, let, yeah. let's, let's talk about that pace thing just for a second. I don't okay. remember sure. that vignette of tiger yeah. on the second hole, walking that off. And what, what is truly, um, sort of surprising to me listening to you retell it he knows that pin better than anybody he knows what that exactly. putt does why does he have to exactly. walk it off like the, exactly. the point you now, made about he's probably had that putt up 
bunch of times for Eagle, probably not for yes. you know, Birdie, but yeah, exactly. yes. he knows that. That's, yeah. He knows, right. The, the point you made about Bryson is so on point with that 70 yard shot he, that, that, uh, you know, where he ended up, that's not a place that he has a yardage from. That's not a stock distance. That's not a lie that right. he plays from. And you made your, your observation is dead on that. Those guys, all they all walk it off because it's, it's completely yeah. out of order with what they, they know and what their, um, their, their game plan contemplates. So, uh, I, I think you're, you're right. And it's fair, um, to, to, to give him a break. On that, the only aspect of the slow play that matters to me is what you said, and I think you're dead on correct, which is the impact on casual observers who then go out and play casual golf. You just can't have guys laying down or reading like the reading putts and all that stuff. It just is 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 insane, and and not you know that waiting. The, the the etiquette like it gets beat into you when you're young and I don't know if if like uh I'm interested in your you're you're a millennial Did, is, is that etiquette like Barely. how what what is the um order of play because you know I was I grew up um with the order of play you know farthest from the hole but there are a lot of times you you find over your your casual golf career that you don't have to wait you can hit and not interfere with other people on other parts of the of the same hole, um, and the same is true of of, of the putting, right? A hundred percent. And I mean, it obviously depends who you play with. If I'm playing with my normal group, for instance, this past Sunday, two guys were riding a cart. I was walking. The guys in the cart would get to their ball first, and they would play their shots before I would get to my ball, and that was fine. And that's just how we do it. And same with the putting, or and especially if you're putting for like a double bogey or something you just kind of get out of the way um and and then of course honors on the t i mean lol i mean we never do that i mean so you know you, there are definitely ways to kind of speed it up now if nobody else is doing that ahead of you it doesn't matter you're still gonna have right. to wait which we did yep. but um you know yeah exactly i mean we've been raised ready golf ready golf um you know at a tournament level it's a little different but i think as long as two guys who are playing with each other have an understanding of this um, and it's not Sergio and Tiger at the players a few years ago when Sergio yeah. got ticked the Tiger for, um, you know, I think they, they have a, a way to figure this out, but you know, you mentioned though, I, that's what my, my point about watching Tiger in person there was just TV does a good job for the most part of masking this. So if you watch on TV, you're like, all right, whatever. It's not that bad. I'm telling you, it's when it's in person is where it's deadly. And that's, and to me, I'm like, you know, I'm there for my job and everything else. And I've seen a lot of golf and I love it. And I love watching the best guys play, but there are certain times where you're like, man, I, I almost don't even know if I would pay to go to a tournament. If it, if there's this much inactivity, that's how bad it is in person. Um, sometimes. So again, watching on TV is almost better than watching in person. Oh, that's a, that's a, a, a good distinction. I, and I agree with you. I, I, um, am kind of dismissive of the watching in person cause I so rarely do it. I mean, it's like a fun thing to do. If you're not really that interested in watching the golf, it's like a fun event. It's a right. fun thing to attend, but right. you're not really right. going to get to watch anybody play golf. Um, right. It's the only sport that you, if you really want to watch the sport, you don't go to the sport. It, right. it's, it's crazy, but it, it is peculiar. Um, well, let's talk about the, the technology um, 
part and sort of where, where yeah. whether you think there's anything, you know, both the uh, USGA and the RNA are supposed to come out with um, updated review and report on um, how far the, the ball is traveling and have thoughts and recommendations right. about doing it. And the, the bifurcation, which is to say, you know, um, some technology that's standardized for pros, mainly with the ball. Um, and letting all the rest of us play with our uh, equipment that helps make the game more enjoyable is always sort of a lingering kind of uh, talking point out there. Um, what's your sense of of whether or not you, you we expect anything to change? Are we going to see anything out there that that that's dramatic, or do you, are we just going to sort of uh, hold the course that we're on, status quo, and and the the um, you know, the, the distance folks are going to be upset and the, the, you know, the rest of us will get along with it. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's been a few years now where you've heard rumblings that something's actually going to be done. Um, but you've also heard those same rumblings for slow play and nothing's been done. So I, I kind of think it's going to stay the same, at least for the foreseeable future. And um, I, I, I think they should do something, whether it's a rollback of the ball, whether it's just, capping the equipment right now and again you mentioned bifurcation that's that's what i would be for I, obviously i don't think they should come around and tell me or you you can't use this driver or this new ball or whatever because we need all the help we can get these yes. guys are so good though that they don't need all that extra help and 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 they don't need all that extra distance i mean we see these courses you mentioned medina I mean, they tore this place apart. Not only is it a difficult course, but it's a long course. And it just doesn't matter to them. Justin Thomas shot 25 under par. Um, and, and it's because he can hit driver without fearing much, because even if he's in the rough, he's so far up, he can hit a wedge out of that rough. Um, it's the era of driver with impunity, right? Drive with impunity. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, like you said, unless they trick up the greens, stupid, put the pins in stupid spots and make the rough, uh, the fairways ridiculously narrow, that's dumb too. I just, I fear, and I know that the, the main people who want these changes, they, they fear that these old courses are becoming obsolete. And it's not even a fear. I mean, they are becoming obsolete. If, if you can shoot 2,500 Medina, um, the old course, these places you've seen course. I do want yeah. to take issue with that. Um, and this again, sort of runs to my pronounced bias of, uh, golf competitive golf as entertainment. It doesn't matter to me right. as, as from an entertainment perspective, they're still competing mm. at Medina. They're all out there. Right. One guy has to play better than the other guys. <sighs> I understand right. the tradition, the golf tradition of, of shot values and yeah. what the original framers of the golf course, the original framers of the golf constitution imagined in terms of, you know, using all 14 clubs in your bag and, you know, perhaps diminishing right. the entertainment factor because of this bomb and gouge uh, phenomena. But I still like the competition of it. And it it's not doesn't really diminish my entertainment uh, element of, of, of consuming the golf that way. Is, am I, oh, am right. I crazy? Let me, let me count. Yeah. Let me counter with just two, with two things on that is I don't think you or I know what entertainment we're missing though, by seeing, not seeing these guys play the courses, how they were intended to be played, not just bombing it, you know, having the shape shots around, having the layup on a par four, we were in and then and play a little more strategically. I, I think 
you know, we're just so used to this. So you're right. It's still great. I mean, it's still great golf. Don't get me wrong. It's still great to see these guys bomb it and, and whatever. But um, I think we might see even more creativity um, having to see guys recover more from different spots, this or that. I think, I think it would actually be more entertaining. Um, the other thing I would say is, yes, it is very competitive still. You still see, but it's a handful of guys for the most part that just it, length is the only thing that gets rewarded now. Now, I know you see a, a, a guy who just is on fire on the greens that week. You know, a shorter hitter can pop up here or there, and they win, of course. But for the most part, all the best players are the best drivers of the ball and the most powerful. And the, the reason why they're the best drivers of the ball is because they're the most powerful. And so I think it's taken away from, you know, the, these other skills, um, unfortunately. So I, I would say that that would, would also add to the entertainment value. But, but again, I, I'm with you. I mean, look, it's fun. I, we love the PGA Tour. It's fantastic. I just worry that it's it's going even more and more towards this bomb and gouge and, you know, uh, taking apart these old courses. Um, and, and I think it could, I think it could be better, um, if they did something. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind the idea of some kind of standardizing, um, of one aspect of the equipment. The ball is the most, is, is the easiest, um, element to, to require all the guys to play with the same, uh, ball with the same compression or whatever. I, I would be, Fine with that. I still think we get a lot of variety. I mean, Kevin Na won the Colonial this year. Um, short hitter, true, true. target target course. Like, that still happens. Like, uh, Frankie Molinari um, damn near won the Masters and won the British Open. Not one of the longest yep. hitters on tour by any right. stretch. Like, there's still opportunities for... Um, accuracy to to prevail. I mean, you you can. It's easy to come up with you know the counter argument. Gary Woodland no, and Brooks Kepka and DJ. I mean, you know, it's yeah. I. But there's right. still a place for other kinds of of golfers. Um, and and you know some of those values. But I just still to to me, I would continue to. I I hope the tour has in in mind. You know, continuing to play some of the old. Uh, venues as the as the majors, yeah, you know, like the, like colonial, like colonial, yeah, right. Exactly. That's right, that's right. Yeah. And and you know the scores were going to be what they're going to be based on the combination of you know there have been advancements in information, so the guys know a lot more about the venues. There have been advancements in um, you know like with sure. launch monitors and stuff. The guys could get better uh, and 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 you know in terms of their execution, the skill level. The greens books continue to have. Tons of information that that is you know different from the previous era. There's a lot of uh, advantages that the guys of this era have over previous eras that that I don't mind. Um, and ultimately, they all have to go play against each other. And ultimately, we just get right. one winner each event. So that to me is the thing that that um, continues to make it interesting. True, true. Well, let let's uh, let's do a little forecasting of, of the upcoming, uh, 2020 season. We're not going to count the fall. We like the fall. The fall is good for, for gambling purposes <laughs> and learning about some guys as we sort of cover, but what are your thoughts and, and hopes and expectations for, for 2020? The guys now have a full season under their belts of what it's like to play big events starting in March and ending in, in July. Um, what are some names that you're sort of keen on uh, seeing some big things out of in 2020? Well, you know, I don't know how we've gone this many years without Rory McIlroy winning a major. So I, I would say, I wouldn't say it's a lock, 
but I, I, I can't imagine him not winning a major last year if he holds any sort of form like this. He's just due to win a major. Um, the guy who really might have made, well, two guys made huge gains this year, I think, and, and it's Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley. And those are two guys, uh, I know Cantley won the Memorial, um, but both of them, you saw them on major leaderboards. I think those would be the two guys that I would think would be able to make um, the, the next big leap forward as well. I mean, Xander, man, he he showed a lot on that final round uh, at Eastlake. I mean, he was hitting the driver all over the map, and he still grinded out an even par with just amazing short game, uh, great scrambling, uh, really good putting. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy who doesn't fade on the on the weekends like some of these other guys. He's not scared of anybody. He's not scared of playing head to head with Rory like he did in that third round. Um, I really like his game, and Patrick Cantley the same thing. Um, other, you know, other than Rory with the strokes gain stats uh, uh, overall, Cantley was number two on tour uh, behind Rory. So you know, he's sneakily right there. It's actually kind of surprising that he only won the Memorial. He could have won a few more events. Uh, so those are two big names. I, I like to jump up there, but Rory's got to win a major next year or, or it's going to get, uh, he's going to start feeling even more pressure because he's just too good to go over five years uh, in the prime of his career without winning one. Yeah. And, and honestly, if I was going to pick one right now that I think Rory is particularly well suited to do, uh, to perform, uh, at its wing foot, I think that's a, a golf course that just sets up with a Rory McIlroy kind of game that, that the length and the premium on, um, hitting it into fairways and you not, you can't miss, yep. uh, you know, if he gets that driver going as he showed at Eastlake, uh, you know, with, with that accuracy, right. it just gets to be. Too much. I'm going to end with this. I want to know, because uh, one of the guys that that I expect a rebound from, and it's funny to, to, to say it this way, is Dustin Johnson. Do you know what the hell happened to Dustin Johnson this year? No, I don't. And he, that is the most bizarre finish. What was it? I think eight, his last eight events, he didn't finish better than T20 after runner-up at the first two majors, after dominating in Mexico. Um uh, it's a great question. I mean, you, you almost wonder if it's, if it's, if there was an injury or something, because I know he, and I know he quote parted from Claude Harmon throughout the year, but even he and other people I've talked to said that really wasn't a big deal. Um, he really works with Butch predominantly anyway. Um, I, I don't know. It was very odd, uh, to see him falter, but you're right. <laughs> it's weird to talk about him as a quote comeback player, but considering how little he did the last what five months of the season, um, yeah, he's a guy you'd have to figure would bounce back. Well, let's do this. Let's let's promise each other we'll we'll reconvene uh, in 2020. Okay. Um, you know, we'll sure. do do some preview, and between now and then, let's see if we can't figure out what happened to DJ. Okay. <laughs> Let's get on the case here. Let's do some yeah, Let's get on I the like case. It. You said it. <laughs> All right. Alex uh, Meyer, senior writer for Golf Digest. Thanks for coming on and helping us put a beautiful bow on, on what a season we had this year, Alex. You got it. Thanks for having me. I can't believe we didn't talk about Phil Mickelson's calves. But anyway, another time. <laughs> we'll another time. we'll save calves, calves and bombs. It's been a great year. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> All right. Take care, man. Thank you. All right. Talk to you. Thank you. All right, my Eagle enthusiasts, that is the 2019 season 
in a nutshell with our homie Alex Myers. As mentioned, stay tuned. We're giving out some awards for 2019 season. That's with Chris Vernon and Megan Schuster later this week. But I appreciate my good buddy Alex Myers coming on and helping us walk through all the storylines, the highlights, and lowlights of the 2019 season. Let's definitely be sure to check out Berno and Schusty to hear some important award winners for 2019. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.